Coming up, a Sad Styles production. Get into it! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 22, Venti Dose of the Good Buds Podcast, a show about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not chronic, but chronic is the best. My name is Joey Belfiore, and I'm here with Andrew Bascom. Andrew, (laughs) what a great Saturday night, eh? What a great Saturday night. Oh, I can't ask for a lot more. It's it's so much fun recording these podcasts when the Leafs are playing so goddamn well. It's easy. 13 out of 16. 13 out of 16. Yeah. Feeling hot, baby. Feeling hot. Nine of the last 10, 34, yeah. 17, and 8. 76, 78 points. Wow, 35, 17, and 8. Third in mm-hmm. the Atlantic. The Leafs are rolling at a great time because everyone else around us is rolling, which means at this point in time, you just got to keep pace, man. Yep. Yeah, you just got you just got to keep going. That's all you that's all you can do if everyone keeps playing well, except for one key team that I think we're gonna talk about in a little bit. But everyone else keeps doing well. God, do the Panthers look like a juggernaut right now? They just are rolling over everybody. Yeah, they might be the best team in the NHL right now. Seriously, which of course, of course they are. Of course they're in our division. Yeah, uh, that's the way it works. Uh, you, there's also a certain amount where I feel like we have <laughs> like awoken them where it's like we like uh, last year in the playoffs, we're like, hey, they're no good. And they're like, we'll show you. And they're like, we'll be yeah. one of the best teams of all time. You're like, oh, crap. OK, we did this. Yeah, they've been just a complete juggernaut since essentially last February. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh-huh. they were barely in the playoffs up until that point. Yeah. Everyone hates the Panthers. The Leafs beat the Rangers 4-3 in a shootout. Uh, Big game. lot to talk about. I mean, where to start? Let's talk about the actual shootout because that was pretty interesting. Um, Yeah. Mitch Marner, man. Oh, oh my goodness. I, the Mitch Barner, not only is the move really good, and then they had to take a look at it, which was kind of silly, to be honest. Uh, I think everyone immediately was like, well, that was good. Yeah. Um, but his skate backwards to the bench as he's staring at the referee is one yeah. of the like coldest things. I loved it so much. Yeah. He was making sure he's staring at the ref to go like, you're pointing at it, right? You're pointing. And he just skates all the way back to the bench in front of the Rangers. I loved it. I think like there's a lot of impressive things about that goal. But what I love is if you watch him coming in, before he makes that move to the side to get Shesterkin on his belly, if yeah. you look at his left foot, the way he moves his skate up and he skates on his heel yeah. to kind of give Shesterkin a like, okay, where are you going here? Yeah. It's just so, that little thing, so many little things that Mitch Marner can do, kind of reminiscent of if you go back a game against the Coyotes where he does that yes. draw pass that we're getting used to. Just look, the quick look over his left shoulder. Like a split yeah. second to be like, okay, nice is there. I'm going to do that. You have zero time to make that decision. But the quick look when you're on a breakaway and you got two coyotes coming down on you, uh, it's just so impressive. Oh, it is. It really is. And I, it's funny. I was going to highlight the exact same thing. That drop pass to Matthew Nyes for the first goal of the Arizona Coyotes game uh, is that move where he digs his heel in and he goes left and then drops the pass back behind him to the right. And so he does that move again, and Shesterkin is probably thinking, oh, good, he's going left. I know that. I've saw, I saw this last game, and immediately pulls it back and goes right, and you're like, oh, it's, it's unbelievable. So much so that that nice goal, someone brought it up. There is the exact same thing he did with, uh, what's his name, Connolly from, from uh, the Arizona Coyotes while they are both on the London Knights. He did the exact same move. And so this is like probably something goalies have very much burned into their brain, and he just... He completely, you know, flips that on his head. It's just, it's so talented. Yeah, when Mitch Marner is rolling, it's it's just so fun to watch. So creative. Oh my goodness. Probably yeah. the most creative player I've seen 
in my mm-hmm. time watching hockey. Like I, I just I don't know at this point in time the way hockey's evolved. Yeah, who as as a Leaf has been more creative? I, I don't think the answer is anyone other than Mitch Marner. No, it's it's so funny where the reasons why people hate him sometimes is because he is such a modern player. He is such a modern person, so he has feelings and all this kind of stuff. But he also is a modern player. He does things that just former players have not done. The fact that he's the creative, I don't know, like Adam Oates style, like can put the puck in, on anyone's stick and do do anything, but also is an incredible defensive player. And, you know, like, and, and, mm-hmm. and he's just, he's, he's unbelievable sometimes. Yep, yep. Domi gets the shootout winner. Ooh. Nice little roof daddy on that one. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like, I mean, obviously this isn't going to work every time, but if you're coming in like with some speed and you just get in close and you can push that goalie back, just go roof daddy. Like literally yeah. just go high. Uh, it seems like it works every time in a shootout. Really yeah. nice stuff there. Get the win. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's going into a game like this. We we talked about this. This point of the schedule is really, really tough, especially mm-hmm. the tail end of that road trip going into the first half of this homestand, you know, Teams like the Rangers, we got Boston on tap. We had Vegas a couple times. We had Colorado. Yep. Yep. To get these important wins, to go 9 to 10, 13 to 16, just very impressive. Uh, Ilya Samsonov looked solid. He really did. Yeah, he really looked solid. That that The, the really big save uh, with his blocker sliding oh. one side to the other. Uh, oh. Just unbelievable. And he, di- he did. He's doing that thing where you look at the numbers, and you know I'm sure this will come up later in conversation, numbers versus eye test, but you look at the numbers and you're like, oh, those are incredibly underwhelming numbers. He's a, mm-hmm. He has a save percentage under 900 for the month of February. And you're like, ah, that's that's not great. But then you watch it and he's making the saves when he has to, which is a, is a quality that, you know, is kind of hard to put your finger on. And he made some really great saves in that third when they were getting uh, outplayed. So, you know, he, yeah. he, play, he played really well. And that, that win is very much on his back and as evidenced by a belt around his waist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. like... That shot, let's go back to the Panarin, that save. The Panarin oh. one-timer, and he just gets across, and he throws a stick, like a classic Sammy move, Sammy move just throwing <laughs> a stick. It almost, if you slow that down, I'm, I was trying to yeah. like pause it. It looks like a glitch in the Matrix a little bit. You're like, wait, yes. that puck's going in. Wait, where is it? Like he teleports or something like that, yeah. It, it almost looks as if he catch, he throws his stick and catches it with his blocker hand because <laughs> yeah. I, I just couldn't figure out where the puck went. You, you just assume yeah. that it must have gone in. But yeah, and I think it's a testament to how hockey has changed a little bit over the past few mm-hmm. years. Scoring is up. We we oh, don't see these 2-1, 1-0, 2 games on the regular anymore. A regular hockey game is a 4-3 win. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. Their scoring yes. is up. So, you know, a few years ago, you'd look at that and you'd be like, Sammy played well. I mean, he led in three. That's kind of just the norm now. Like, yeah. the way goals are moving upward, 4-3 um, is kind of like... If you, if you were a betting person... And yep. you want to guess a score every mm-hmm. single night? I would say just guess four three every night. You're probably four three win a four few three times. five three for the empty yeah. netter. Yeah, I, yeah. I know five three. You still get very good numbers on. By the way, it was something that was being offered <laughs> yesterday. I uh, yeah, I I completely agree with you. And you know, you really do have to talk about the defense in front of him, which is something we'll talk about too. So like, you know, it's not it's not the full roster they're they're playing in front of him right now too. So you'd accept you you accept the play they did because the the play he had was was really great. Like he he did play well. Mm-hmm. Which is encourage- encouraging. Mm-hmm. Wall comes back. Let's talk about Joe Wall. Sure. Joe Wall returns. He yeah. returns. Solid move. Getting a man against Arizona. I think that's the only Absolutely. kind of way you do it, especially with a lot of tough teams around the schedule. Um, just looked comfy. That's all yeah. you're kind of looking for. Um, yeah. You know, he had what two and a half, almost three months off. 
Yes. That's a long yeah. time for a goalie. Long time for anyone. Yeah. Yeah, a long time for anyone not to be doing this single thing. You know, it's so I, I he looked totally fine against a very bad team that has lost 13 games in a row, but then did win the next game against Ottawa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, Ottawa. you know, I thought I thought, yeah, I'm sorry. That just makes me laugh. But uh, Joe Wall, uh, I thought played, you know, totally fine. Yeah, there were some there were some rusty moves. And yes, he was out of position, like kind of clearly at times. But, you know, that's going to happen after three months. And but yet he. You know, they they seem all very happy with him with his cardio and everything, too. So, you know, it's encouraging to see him back. Yep. I think these are the two going through unless we see any sort of unfortunate injury. Knock on wood. Where is wood? I need to touch some wood. Okay, ah. here we go. There you go. Okay, I found some. Um, okay. Yeah, I just, as Sheldon said a couple games ago, you know, like, yeah, we're carrying three goalies, but there's only two goalies that I'm making a decision on whether mm-hmm. that have to play. And Jones... Thank you. I saw Jones on Queen Street the other day. I, I told him, thank you for saving our season. And he laughed. <laughs> and he wasn't wearing a jacket and it was freezing. Um, the hell? But yeah, but yeah thanks, uh, thanks, Martin. True Living True Living said something very similar too. He goes, we have three goalies now. And you're like, okay. So yeah. that seems very clear that we will have two goalies soon. I think once the trade, trade deadline is uh, is gone and over and the expansion, the roster expansion has changed, I think we will see probably two goalies. Uh, we'll see if anyone, do you think someone's going to take Jones if he's put on waivers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't someone like New Jersey take him who's swimming, who just needs Philadelphia maybe? Philadelphia. There's there's a lot of um, Mm -hmm. teams trying to get into a playoff spot that are bleeding badly that I I think he would get get, uh, claimed. So, I mean, depends on on how you look at that and what you want to carry going forward after the uh, rosters expand on March 8th. Let's talk Kylie Yarncrock. Yarncrook comes back after a broken knuckle and looks comfy. Looks comfy. Throw pucks that, on net. They go in. Yeah, right. That is <laughs> no. the the model from last night. Willie Nylander and Kelly Arncroft just throwing pucks on net, and they find their way in after a couple bounces. Good things are going to happen when you throw pucks on net. It's like the oldest cliche in hockey. Just fucking pucks shoot the net. puck, guys. Just Absolutely. Shoot the puck. Uh, I have a friend that has a pucks on net tattoo. I, uh, are you for yeah, real? I, yeah, yeah, it's around a pair of hockey gloves. It's really good. It says pucks on net. Where where on his body? Is- uh, I think it's his arm, his maybe bicep forearm. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. It's a great tattoo. Awesome. I think about it all the time. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it, it looked so good. The Tavares line with McMahon and Jan Kruk mm-hmm. looked awesome. And it looked like it had purpose. Whereas before, you know, last week we were talking about the Domi second line and going like, it's good, but, you know, you worry about the bottom, you know, the bottom just falling off with this if they don't score. And the Tavares line was kind of swimming a little bit with Robertson. And McMahon, it was good, but it just kind of like, I don't, in what situation are you playing these guys? You know, is it, mm-hmm. is it offensive zone stuff or whatever? The Yonkru stuff is stuff made just, it made it make sense. It looked really dangerous almost every time. And Tavares had a very clear purpose of getting in front of the net. And I just, I thought they looked good. McMahon looked to throw his body around. That line mm-hmm. was so dangerous all night. It was, it was just awesome. The hockey IQ on that line is incredible. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yonkru is one of the most responsible hockey players in our in our lineup mm-hmm. and probably mm-hmm. the, one of the most underrated hockey players in our lineup i mean how many fucking people on leaf twitter wanted to trade him while he's been injured yeah because right. they're like yeah. oh it's like two million in cap space like no he is a deadline ad with him coming back you don't trade a swiss army knife of a player who is so defensively responsible who has offensive upside can play anywhere in the lineup first yep. to fourth line on special teams like he's a do-it-all guy and he's only costing two million. Like those yeah. are the guys you keep around, not trade away, idiots. Um, so <laughs> this yeah, this feels like the ex- the exact same conversation with Kerfoot, a guy that makes a couple million dollars a year and plays all over the lineup. And you're like, I don't get it. I don't like it. And you're like, yeah. ah, okay, well, there's always a room for that guy. 
Yeah, there's a role and he does it well. And, yeah. and you you pair him with a guy like Tavares, whose IQ is just off the charts. Oh, um, good things will happen and good things did happen. So I like that line a lot. I like that line coming in, especially, you know, you have the second line, like you said, a lot of offensive upside, but like the the defense, it falls out and it did last night. Like <laughs> it did, boy. Yeah, it's it's it it was not it's not great. And and then that's the problem is like I think too much of how we view that line will be results based. If they score, you're like, it's going well. And if they mm-hmm. don't score, you're like, this is not going well. And you're like, well, okay, it has to be, <laughs> we have to be thinking about this in a microwave more than just that. Like anyone with a set of eyes can figure that one out. But we got to figure, I think that's more of like, I don't think it's going anywhere for now, but I think it'll be more of a playing time thing. And if if it's not going well in the second line, then that third line becomes your de facto second line, which to be honest, fine the way they're playing right now that's yeah. that's totally fine McMahon's as hot as hell still and Tavares you know is normally on the second line so I just think that's more of what we're looking at but I just I get a little frustrated with that conversation like the second line's going well it's like well game to game yeah I mean I mean Sheldon said it right like in his post gamer he literally said when it's time to defend it's time to defend yeah and yeah. you know Willie knows what we need from him yes and you know, he, but he did, he did respond well, obviously gets the goal. You throw pucks on it, like we said, but <laughs> he knows what we need from him. Sheldon said he met with that line to talk about it before the game. So I think the way they kind of started, he was frustrated. You mm-hmm. sit Willie down and he responds and that's all, that's all you need, right? You just yes, need to respond. hundred percent. No, that's, that's exactly it. But yeah, Jan Kruk, uh, coming back looked like gave, you know, you know, put some life in that line. So it was, it was, it's really good to see. It's also a little bit, you know, settling, you know, as a Leafs fan, cause you're like, okay, this is getting closer to the lineup that we might see, you know, for the next month and a bit, or maybe getting close to the playoffs, which is kind of relaxing in a way because there's been so much flux, uh, especially in the forwards and especially in the defense. So having this is a little bit stabilizing, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of r- responses, mm. number 75, throwing fists again. Throwing fists. Holy. This poor, we talked about it last week. This poor Matt Rempe guy. I, you know, I, I will say, actually, I take this back. This is his fault. He had to fight tonight. I'm sure he was given the pass tonight and go like, don't fight, don't do it. And then he knocks Labushin out of the game with a dirty hit, which we will talk about in a second. And I think that's when they were like, well, okay, you might have to stand up for yourself. This poor guy is on the absolute speed track to getting out of the league in a year. Like he is yeah. fighting every night. It is unbelievable. And I will say, very favorably for this one, he played very defensively against Ryan Reeves. That was not a good fight. It was a necessary fight. I get that. But he just kept him at a distance the whole time, which which was which was a smart one. But, that reach, uh, man. That reach was insane. You, you don't understand how tall he is until he's beside Ryan Reeves, a very large man, and you go, oh my God, Reeves looks small against him. Yeah. And, and you saw how smart of a fighter Ryan Reeves is because by the end of it, I mean, it was a long-ass fight. By the end of yep. it, you're seeing Rempe... Chuck and Reeves knows it's coming ducks and counters with a huge right. And by the end of it, mm-hmm. Reeves is hitting him every single time. Yeah. He, he knows, he knows it's coming duck counter duck counter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it just makes you like hold your breath when you watch two guys, chuck him like that. But, uh, very large man. You got to answer the bell after, um, an absolute charge. Yeah. What the hell? Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> You know, you know, it's something when you're six, eight and you still need to leave your feet. Like it's uh holy smokes that it was a charge. It was a dirty play. Uh, Rempe uh, hits our newest addition, Ilya Lubushkin. Boosh. Welcome back. Boosh. Uh, 
And while Labushkin is pinned to the boards and looking up, Rempe just takes an absolute elbow to him and jumps and just, and he takes also five strides to get there too. Like it's just, it's dirty. You know what it reminds me of? Um, (laughs) It's like, what is it? Is it D2? Is it the second Mighty Ducks or the third Mighty Duck? Yes. uh, Where the guy's in the corner for like 21 seconds of film time. And (laughs) then the guy has a lasso and he's like charging at him. Okay. Sidebar. How? Does what? What are they playing? Olympic Olympic hockey? Essentially, they're, you're playing through they're your playing country. Junior Pan Am games. I'm sorry. Okay. I just need to no Junior Commonwealth games. Excuse me. I've seen this movie like a hundred times in my life. <laughs> so if you're if you're good enough to play in the Junior Commonwealth games, how does it yes. take you 21 seconds to get the puck out of the corner? <laughs> There's a lot about this movie that doesn't make any sense, even though it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and I have a very sophisticated drinking game associated with it, which we will do one day. I think that'll be a bonus episode in the summer when we're bored, uh, is that they're assembling the greatest team in America to to battle the world, which one of those teams is Iceland, and the Iceland, other team is Trinidad yeah. and Tobago. Uh, and and the, one of the guys that they assemble on the best team of all time can't stop. Like that's of all the players in America, they're like one guy can't stop, but he's on the team because we love him. Like it just doesn't make any sense. I love that movie so much. Yeah, so incredibly unrealistic. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about the hit. So I don't even, you know what? Like I do think he leaves his feet. Yes, but I also think in real time, you are having to like pause that and see and like okay, he has left his feet. Like or you know, it is a little bit sub- subjective in sure. that way. So I'll give okay. you that. But it's a clear-cut charge. Charge, yes. It's a oh charge nonetheless. Yeah. He, Taking he, yeah, more he, than two strides to line up a player. He took five. He was on the other circle. Like, he was on the other circle. He was on the other side of the zone, and he has to come. Like, yeah, it's, 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 uh, they're long strides. I'll give him that because he's gigantic. But, uh, yeah, he, it's, it's a dirty play. And, of course, that means he was ejected of the game, and he's going to have an in-person hearing. No, nothing happened at all. Nothing happened He won't. All. I don't think he'll get, I don't even think he'll get fined. I don't think you'll get fined no. either because that's the way the league works. Riley does something wor- less than that and gets suspended for five games. Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I looked at it and I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not sure I don't like it as much as a lot of people don't like it. Like, oh, really? I just, I was having to pause it to see if he left his feet. And I think if you're pausing it and you're looking like really closely, mm-hmm. then I think in real time, it's yes. kind of hard for the refs to be like, yeah, he left his feet or he didn't leave his feet. But it is a clear cut charge. The fact that it wasn't two, the fact that it wasn't two minutes, like that's a clear cut charge, man. Well, it's a charge and it's targeting. He's going right at his head. He's not hitting his body. He's not doing anything. He's he's going right after his head. So like, I, I, you know, whatever. I, my opinion on uh, instant replay, by the way, because I agree with you. If you have to, you know, frame by frame it, then it's not, that's not the point. The point was to help assist referees. And this is any sport, by the way. My opinion has always been, you get five looks at it, that's it. And then you have to make a call. You can't yeah. just like frame by frame it. Then you're like, well, then everything kind of looks pretty bad. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that one. I, there might be a fine. I don't know. We'll see. I, I doubt it though. I'd be, yeah, I'd be shocked if there was a fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about Boosh. And now he's, yeah, now let's talk about Boosh. Um, yeah. we were going to talk so much about fun. like, yeah, about this deal and what we thought. And now he's injured. I, I hope he's not helped for, for an extended period, you never know with a head injury because now you got two guys on your blue line yeah, you with, two. with concussions. So 
Yeah. Giordano went uh, headfirst in the boards uh, in the Arizona game. Tough man. That looked Ooh, really that was bad. bad. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. It, and then TSN showing us how fast he was going when he went into the boards, which was uh, I don't know if that's the use of advanced stats that we really wanted. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that looked really bad. And now you got two of them down again. Labushka was get, was traded for in part due to the scarcity of our defenseman right now, and he lasts two periods, which is I no fault of his own, but it does suck. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the Sammy post post gamer, he says he's okay, but you never know how these things respond yeah. day to day. Um, yeah, especially with Boston coming up, we'll yeah. see. What do you? Okay, let's talk about the trade because I know we think sure. a little bit differently about this. Yes, when you saw, what was your initial reaction that the Russian bear is coming back? Well, Lubushkin seems like a great personality and seems to love Toronto, which is the strangest thing when he, when he goes up to the uh, media scrum, he goes, Oh, I missed you guys, which is adorable. And unlike a lot of hockey players. So that's yeah. pretty cool. So like that all aside, I'm glad this works. I'm glad Sam Snops loves him. I love that the guys love him. That's really good. My issue with this trade, when I see first saw it was, was a lot of why, why this? Because I understand he's a right-handed defenseman. I understand we're short. But the Toronto Maple Leafs, as a team, don't have a ton of assets right now. This is a big issue. This is why we keep negotiating first-round picks. Should we give up a first-round pick? Well, no one can touch Minton. No one can touch Cowan. Because we're bringing up the first Minton and Cowan is because that's really what we have. That's it. You know? And and it's a little worrisome. And so when we're trading for what I believe will be our sixth or seventh defenseman, and you're giving out you know, two, two picks, even though they're late rounds, it does feel a little bit of like, is this really what we're doing? It, this feels like no consequence. I just have a struggle thinking that Labushkin will provide something that some of these replacement guys like Lajeson or, or even Lajoie are really providing at this point. And so to give up a third rounder is a little bit stressful because a third rounder is a third rounder. And I get that 30% of all third rounders make the NHL. It's a very low percentage, but you know, who's a third round pick? Toby Nimala, who who's our star defenseman on the Marlies. Joe Wall, third round pick. Mm-hmm. Like these do are of consequence. And to, to just hand them out to a player that might not play in the playoffs feels a little frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I don't mind it at all. Like for me, I'm just yeah, like <laughs> a third yeah, a third, a third rounder. Like, yeah, you, you say a, a percentage of them make the NHL, but yeah. so many years later. And oh yeah, yeah. This sure. is like we are in window mode, right? We are in win yeah. now. The window is wide open. And I, I don't think a third round pick that might help us in 2027 or 2028 might mm-hmm. help yeah. us uh, might, is something yeah. we got to be worrying about right now with, again, our our um, assets minimized. I, I think Cowan and Minton at this point have to be untouchable, like untouchable. I, agree, yes. I think the first round pick, it, it completely depends on what's coming back. So you have that conversation when you get there. But a third rounder, I'm just like, you know what? We are bleeding badly on the right side. And now Jordano goes down and, and you, you're just like, I I do not feel comfortable. Like, Lejoie, Raphael, like, they should not be seeing the ice in the playoffs at all. Yeah. Lagasin is like, if Lagasin's seeing the ice in the playoffs, you're like, you know, nothing against William Lagasin, but like, what has happened to your decor if Lagasin is, has cracked your top six in the playoffs, right? So yeah. a guy like Labushkin, who has familiarity, and and there was so much outcry about him playing disastrous. But if you look at the numbers for all the analytic folks, they're not yeah. bad. Like during the first round series against Tampa in 2022, Riley yeah. and Labushkin played approximately 83 five on five minutes together and the Leafs won around 50% of the expected goals. And that's against players like Sorelli, Point, Kalorn, Kucherov, Stamkos. Yep. That's completely serviceable. Factor in that he's also hitting everything that moves. 
Factor in that he is a serviceable guy on your power or in your penalty kill story that can block any sort of shot out there. Throws throws his uh, throws his body around like. I just think, like, I do not give a shit about a third-round pick that we're losing for him. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I just don't know what he is providing that that we don't have currently. I think he is, at this point, Benoit is better than Labushkin, right? We're on the same page here, right? I think I think they're both, like, guys who are on par with each other, who bring the same sort of thing, who, you know, we'll see how Labushkin does in our system. I think it's unfair to say, like, you know, comparing an Anaheim defenseman to a Toronto defenseman because if you look at Benoit's numbers well, when he was on Anaheim, Anaheim defenseman. But I yeah. mean, like, Benoit's numbers on Anaheim were not good. No, no, I completely agree with you. My only thing is we're trading for a 30-year-old defenseman. He turns 30 in a month. And he was not a great skater two years ago, couldn't handle the puck, and he was physical. And I remember that Tampa Bay series. You're absolutely right. And the numbers are very good. But that was also the 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 uh, series where Riley was playing with his hair fucking on fire and was like the best player on, on the ice. And I remember Lubushkin being bad, like bad, bad. And now we're getting two years later. He can't handle the puck and he, he has to hit somebody to do it. And now he's slower. I just like, I'm just confused. If this is it and we don't get anything else, will your, will your opinion on this change? Uh, that's a good point. I, it's tough because yeah, you don't know what else is coming. Yes. Yes. Um, next week we'll have a better idea probably. Yeah. And you hope more is coming. Um, yes. So yeah, that's a tough one because yeah, if, if, if you ask me, you know, all right, the deadline's passed and all we got was Ilya Lubushkin, I'd be like, okay, that's yep. incredibly underwhelming. I just think for me, it's, it's not so much of Lubushkin coming in and, and, and what Lubushkin brings. It's just the outcry over giving up what we gave up to get a guy that we're paying $600,000 for. I do I, not care I, about a third round pick. No, the the money the money's great, obviously, because there's retention by both uh by both Anaheim and Carolina that we gave a six round pick to to keep twenty five percent of it, which is so funny. There's no way when they designed the retention rules that they were like, wait, a third team? Like yeah. there was no hope that they thought this was what was gonna happen. But nonetheless, I'm just saying is that like I think we get a little confused, and this is almost away from Labushkin, is that like when we talk about asset management and then we're like, you know, we don't have enough assets, so we gotta be careful about our first round pick, but take as many of our background picks as you want. It's like, well, what do we, those are things too, you know, like that we could use in one way or another. And so that's, I just don't know if giving up anything for this was of consequence unrelated to him being injured or not, just because I don't know how much he's going to actively play, but who knows? Maybe he goes back with Riley, gets the fountain of youth. You know, Simon Benoit was a fringe NHL player and now yeah. he's very much in our, in our course. So who knows? The Leafs have a infrastructure that might work for it. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Gels. But uh, like, yeah, let's talk trade deadline. Trade deadline coming up sure. this Friday, 3 o'clock. Excited to sit on the couch and watch TSN all day. Watch <laughs> them eat Harvey's because oh, that's God. all that happens because it's the <laughs> most un- underwhelming day of all time. <laughs> TSN has no one to blame but themselves. We're like, we're going to make it a day. Like, it'll be like a national holiday and we'll do it. And then every trade from there, it's only getting longer and longer. It's like, oh, we'll be on the air for 10 hours. And now every trade of consequence has happened almost pretty much except for a few handful of players uh, before this. And now they're just going to be staring at each other. And you listen to Craig Button talk about how leaves suck. Oh my God. Yeah. When Craig Button comes on, that's when I switch to Sportsnet's like trade deadline coverage and then we'll (laughs) go back. But I I just enjoy watching James Duthie kind of swim because he's just like- Good on that guy, man. He's got so many hours to work with to just say the same things over and over when you've got no news coming in. You're like, okay, how can I frame it this time so it's different this hour? 
Yes, yes. They get Bob McKenzie out of the Walt Disney, you know, cryo state that he's been in. And, you know, like, what do you think, Bob? He's like, hey, how you doing? I can see you twice a year. They've got like five desks. They've got their main desk and then a desk <laughs> yes. that's like two feet to the right side and a desk that's two feet to the left and then a desk that's like five feet behind him. <laughs> but you could see people in the background. It's the weirdest thing in the world. It's like if a classroom and people were being punished, you're like, yeah, you got to be separated. Like, it's just, it's uh, the weirdest visual thing of all time. Like, you know what we need? More people. Yeah. And they're like, all right, let's take Gino Retta and like throw him on a desk. <laughs> just like, yes, the who's who of Sports Center. It's yeah, pretty it's, hilarious. So it's entertaining it's closer for me. to Hollywood squares. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sit on the couch, light up a joint and watch these guys mm-hmm. swim and try to talk about trades. <laughs> but, but okay. Something they have to talk about. Yes. What, what do you want to see? Like, what's the plan? Yeah, it, 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 I am in the camp that I still think we need a center. Um, I, I think, I think, I think we, we will struggle in the playoffs if we do not, if this is our current lineup right now, I think if you could, you know, have someone strong. I know Henrique is like a big one out there yep. that people talk about. And that would that would obviously be a dream, but you have to give up a lot because there'd have to be a, a good amount of retention as well at mm-hmm. $5 million a year and plus another year. So that makes it a little bit better. But I, I just, I worry that we're struggling. We're playing really well and we're still struggling uh, down the middle a little bit. So I would want to see a little bit of that. And then defensemen, I, I still believe that if we're all healthy, which big knock on wood, we're okay. We're not, we're not the worst, but this has also been a thing in the past where our defense has played well in the playoffs. So that's not my biggest struggle point. Mm-hmm. It is more of the offensive uh, centering. What about you? Yeah, I'm back and forth with, with what I want. Like, again, it, uh-huh. it all depends on what you're giving up. I honestly, and this might, I don't even know if this is like a, a hot take or anything like okay. that because I fucking <laughs> hate hot takes. But I think, I think it's time to trade Nick Robertson. Oh, really? Yeah. I just like, okay. listen, I like Nick Robertson. I, I yeah. think he can be a good player in the NHL. Um, He's really young. He's got a crazy shot. But when he's yeah. not scoring goals, he's giving you absolutely nothing. Um, We tried with him now yeah. for a few years. And with where our team is, he just does not fit in the lineup. I mean, yeah, we sent him down purely for roster reasons, not necessarily yes. because yes. of his play, but like, who does who comes out of the lineup right now? McMahon's playing too well. Holmberg's playing too well. Reeves is playing too well. That mm-hmm. like Nick Robertson's not a guy you put on your fourth line. Is that's not no, his style no of play. because no that's not an effective use of his exactly set. right. So like you're yeah. hoping Nick Robertson can be a second or third line guy, and he's not cracking that second or third line with who we have. So I think if you're talking about assets, it's time. Yeah. Like I don't love yeah. it. I don't love it because I think for sure maybe. Two, three years down the road, Nick Robertson can be a solid top six forward on a team that uses him well. I just think with how our roster is constructed, he doesn't really fit. Um, no. It's just there's just too many good players that that are playing better than him and, and deserve spots ahead of him. So use that asset and yeah, try to bring in oh man like an Adam Larson, a Borgen. Like look at Seattle, Adam like, Larson, got, Borgen. Yep, they've got yep. so many pieces that I would love. Um, great that they're losing. They lost against it the Oilers yesterday us. because, yeah, because yeah, they're right right around the fringe there. So if they keep winning, they might decide they want to keep everyone. But, yeah, I just yeah. that that's kind of the big trade deadline thing for me where it's like, okay, yeah, we don't have assets. I don't want to touch Mitten or Cowan. The first round pick no. kind of depends on what you're getting back. Then what else do you have? And, and I think the only one that would give another team like, ooh, that's spicy is, is kind of Nick Robertson. Yeah, Nick Robertson is 22 years old. He feels like he's been a part of our lives for four years. Like, yeah. is all you've ever heard about this kid with the shot. And, you know, the problem is he goes down to the A. He looks too good to mm-hmm. be in the AHL. Yep. And then he comes to the NHL and you're like, eh. But 
that's where that's where the Enrique, that's where Larson stuff goes because you're like, could Anaheim talk themselves into being like, is he our second line right winger? Yeah. Like he's gonna get 16, 17, 18 minutes a night. You're like, oh, okay. Well, that makes that makes a ton of sense. He's worth the idea that it's like he has no value is untrue, but it is definitely on the lower end of his value. It's not like we're trading him when he's, you know, cooking hot. So you wonder what you can get from him. But I I agree in the way that we just talked about asset management, but it doesn't really line up timeline-wise with what the rest of the team is trying to do. You'd almost rather wait for the Minton and Cowens to make it in a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, because that would that would help line up, whereas like Robertson is just kind of treading water right now. Yeah, like listen, I think Nick Robertson could be a 30-goal scorer in the NHL if he's put in the top totally. six and on a power play one. But he's not getting put in our top six or a power play one. It's just not going to happen. It's it's no, we no. are not the team for that, and and it's just it's unfortunate. I mean, I like Nick Robertson, but I, I just think it's based on what we have, based on what we yep. need. It's time, I think. Yeah, who knows? The problem and the problem is, if you had asked me what kind of player do we need, I'm like, we need someone in the fucking bottom six and can put pucks in nets, and and you're like, well, that's really his skill set. And you're like, yeah, but I saw it; it didn't really work out because you know. I just want to remind everyone once again. We have trouble scoring goals in the playoffs. That is a huge issue. And so we need people in the bottom six that can score goals. Now, is Pontus Holmberg and Bobby McMahon and John Tavares, are, you know, are those people that are people that can score goals in the bottom six? Yes. But I just, it feels like the guy you'd want. And yet I completely agree with you that I think he is expendable. Yeah, he just, he needs to bring more to his game to be a bottom six player. And he doesn't have no. that. No. The checking, the defensive responsibility. It's the right. defense responsibility, you, you could see him actively look around on defense. Yeah. He's kind of going like, wait, where? Okay, if you're here. Like, yeah. Uh-oh. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if the writing's on the wall. I don't know, obviously, what the rest of Leaf fans or Leaf management thinks about that. But that's kind of where I am, where I'm just like, all right, I think I think it might be time. Yeah. Okay. No, no. I, I think that I think that's totally fair. I wonder what we could get for him. That's. I yeah. think that's the biggest question. I wonder what. I wonder how the rest of the league sees him. That's true. It's not that egregious, yeah. though. I don't think it's that egregious. This is egregious! Ooh, do you think that's egregious? This is egregious! As we all know, Leaf Nation is no stranger to saying insane things. That's what we do. That's how we were born. Um, but this segment is to highlight how ridiculous and egregious the Toronto media can get, the Toronto fans can get, the media yes. can get, why it's insane. Uh, you go first, buddy. Okay, here we go. I'm going to be talking about, if you haven't heard... Elias Pettersson uh, signed a, a new contract for eight years uh, with the Vancouver Canucks uh, at 11.6 a year. It's a pretty flat uh, salary. Uh, there's not It's not front-loaded or back-loaded or anything like that. And this naturally wanted everyone to talk about a fellow Swede who also signed a contract this year, and that's William Nylander. Uh, a contract that you and I both immediately when he signed were like, yay, that's great, I love this. But this has caused a much, much discussion about uh, how... Elias Pettersson uh, took a hometown discount uh, to sign with Vancouver Canucks and how great of a teammate he is versus William Nylander, that greedy little Swede who took every dollar he could. Now, the surprising part would be that Elias Pettersson is going to be making $100,000 more than William Nylander is uh, going for it. Now, there's a big difference. Pettersson is a center, and those have much more value than wings, uh, which was what William Nylander will be for the rest of his career, even though we keep trying to entertain the idea yeah. that he might be a centerman, kind of like how Mitch Marner might be a defenseman. Yeah. So I just I just want to keep that in mind. Also, William Nylander scored seven, has seven more points this year than Pedersen. And yet we talk about Pedersen like he's an MVP, and Nylander's just like a ratchet you know, t- player that, like, thank God, thank God he's, he's playing well. I want to bring this up just because it's egregious when everyone else will fawn over these, will treat Vancouver like it's a small market and go like, oh, good for him. He did this. And I really want to specifically point out Darren Drager, who's like, 
oh, we, we don't want to get involved here with this, this contract talk and what that might mean for everybody else. And yet we'll bend over backwards immediately to go like, see, he did it the right way. Nylander was greedy about other things. And you're like, he's making more than Nylander. I don't really get this. And immediately the conversation immediately turned to Mitch Marner. And I just, it is infuriating and egregious that everything is about the Leafs, which is something we will talk about in just one second, but everything is about the Leafs. And it's just even the framing of the conversation when the numbers don't line up, you're like, why is one greedy and one selfish? I, I, I can't really tell the difference right now anymore. Good for Pedersen, good for Vancouver. It's good that they're keeping their players, but I don't know what that has to do anything with a winger that also signed a contract a couple months ago. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, good for Vancouver. They're hot good as for hell. Them. They're yeah. having a year that no one thought they would have. They might win the President's Trophy. They're signing yeah. their guy. He's locked in. Great. Why are we making this about a guy who plays a different position <laughs> in a different conference across the country? Because I don't get it. Let's compare Pedersen's deal to other centermen. Just okay. like when William Nylander yeah. signed, we compared it to other wingers. Like yeah, Panarin, like Panarin and, and yeah, Pasternak, Pasternak and yeah, yeah Mitch Marner because everyone wants to sure. do it. But that's a winger. That makes sense. You know what yeah. I mean? So you just it's it's it'd be like you can't compare a goalie contract to a defenseman's contract. Right. You know yes. what I mean? They yes. they bring different yeah. things. So let's compare Pedersen to other centermen. Instead, it's always about the Leafs. It's always about the Leafs. I always just feel there's this like weird like drive-by way of doing this that like when Michael Jordan got inducted to the, uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame, he went on another rant about like players that made it in his high school basketball team before him. And you got to imagine this. People are just sitting at home in North Carolina going like, I used to play with this guy. Oh, what the fuck? Why did he call me out? What the hell did I do? And like, it's the same shit of like, hey, congratulations on Pedersen. That's really great. Too bad about William Nylander. And he's like, what the hell? What did yeah. I do? Just standing on the sideline. Hey, listen, William Nylander is uh, top five in scoring. I'll take my William Nylander any day. I will take it every day. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Tim Peel is an embarrassment to hockey. Straight up. That's <laughs> yeah. mine. Straight up. There we go. Here's yep. a ref who got fired for fixing games uh, yep. because of a hot mic. And now if you look at him, all he does is go on Twitter and piss Leafs fans off. Mm -hmm. That's his mm -hmm. job now. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you know, talking about any sort of play, any sort of like a hit or controversial call. He'll come in and say things like, wah, wah, or like just talk about why he believes this is not that way. Tim Peel, your bias is just yes. completely showing. And it just makes me yeah. think that this like boys club of referees that are their feelings can't get hurt and they all talk. And it just makes me think, oh my God, this probably goes so much deeper than anyone knows. Like so yes. much deeper. Um, yes. It's concerning. And just like, why is anyone giving Tim Peel any fucking time of day? His, his platform is is useless and irrelevant, yeah. yet people think and cling on to what he said because he's a referee that was shit at his job. Really bad and got fired. Yeah, and, and to the point that he got fired because mostly they'll, they'll argue because he got caught in a hot mic saying he's looking up for a makeup call for the other team. And uh, I always worry that it was something a little bit more than that, because really at this point, all he does is get on Twitter and complain, like you're saying. And I think the biggest concern that I have about all this is that we will sit here and go, man, Toronto doesn't get a lot of calls. We just had that thing about last year, last week, that Colorado has almost a power play more a game. Mm -hmm. And you go, God, Toronto, just, oh, they get uh, penalties and, and, and suspensions. They get screwed. And then one referee who has so recently been a referee that there's no way there isn't stripes in his closet that he's like, well, just in case they need me is saying how he hates Toronto. And you're like, 
okay, wait, so maybe there is something to this that they do hate the Leafs because he's not helping that argument. He hates the Leafs and he was just a referee a couple years ago. Yeah, and he's publicly showing it online for everyone to see. I know, so it's really hard to beat the allegations. They're like, maybe the, maybe the Leafs get, uh, you know, a, a harder, I don't know, whatever, a worse slant at this. And you're like, yeah, it's hard to argue when that former referee is saying that out loud all the time. Like, I wonder if, like, Carrot Rank and, like, Wes McCauley are like, yo, Tim, like, just, like, chill for a second. Shut like, the you hell don't want up. Everyone, <laughs> yeah. everyone to know our thing, right? Like, you're blowing up our spot, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's, uh, it's fucking Fuck. egregious, man. It is egregious. Yeah, that guy. And also, you know, it's so funny. Tim, look after yourself. It's always like nine o'clock on a Saturday and clearly he's just getting liquored up and just like letting yeah. it rip. Like it's not like one o'clock on a Sunday. It's like always Saturday night after hot. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's all the uh, breath I want to devote to Tim Peel for <laughs> yeah, probably the rest guy. of my life. Um, <laughs> all right. We got a big week. The Bruins twice. This is a big, big week. Uh, Bruins coming into town on Monday night. And then we go to Boston on Thursday. Got a game against the Sabres in between that. But let's talk about mm -hmm. the Bruins. Um, they are playing probably their worst hockey of the year right now, which yes. is uh, yes. nice. It's great to see. I love it. Great. I mean, awesome. Love it. Yeah. I really like how the Islanders beat them last night. Um, so mm -hmm. this is the time. I think, you know, when a team like Florida, you know, Toronto goes nine of the last 10, Florida goes nine of the last 10. We're not really making yeah. up any ground with Florida. You kind of think maybe the division is a little too far. Yes, we do play Florida, um, but things will have to change. We will have to play at the same kind of clip we're playing at, and they will have to fall off for us to catch them. But Boston, we got a couple games in hand, and we're getting closer. And with yeah. two games against yeah. them this week, that gap can shrink even more so. So this is interesting. I mean – yeah. What are your thoughts on like, are you splitting goalie starts here? Are you running oh, Sammy man. against both wall against both? I, it, there's a lot of questions, a lot of things you can do here. How are you feeling? I think you have to split the goalie starts. I, 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 you know, I, I think you make that rule before. And if like, let's say Samuel wall, just like absolutely just plays off, you know, standing on their head the whole time, then you're like, Oh, maybe we'll do it again. But I think as a rule, you should try both because as much as the wins are really important right now, because as you were saying, our opponents are playing really well, except for Boston. Uh, you can, you are in an area where you can try some stuff. Like you're going to have to try some stuff in the lineup because of the injuries and especially on defense. So I think you could try both with, with different goaltenders. And you're hoping to split them, if not, you know, sweep them because of how bad they're playing right now. But Boston's always been, you know, a boogeyman. So you wonder. Yeah. And I mean, this is our most likely first round matchup. Like mm -hmm. mark your calendars. Yeah. It's going to be yes. Bruins Maple Leafs in the first round. Um, so I think with that, you got to give both your goalies a chance to see them because you don't know who's going to be playing come game one. So give Wallace start and Sammy start, whether it's. I don't know, whatever way you want to do it, but you got the Buffalo yeah. one, the Buffalo game in, exactly. on Wednesday. So, you know, they're going to split those. So I think whoever you give the Monday game to, you give the same Wednesday game to, and then you switch the goalie for Thursday. I just think it's important for goalies to see players that they're probably going to see come April. Um, just, just nice to see how they're playing, to feel, to read the other team. Uh, I think that's important. So I would split the starts between wall and Sammy. Uh, that being said, yeah, yeah. yeah, you want one, you love two, you want one, you need one. Yeah. I just like, this is Boston, man. This is, yeah, this is the demon. It, it's time yeah. to to show that, yeah, this team has, has played above their weight. The Boston Bruins have played yeah. above yeah. what they should be playing for probably a year yes. and a half now. Uh, it's time to kind of flip the script here and say, we've got a better team. Let's show it. 
Yeah, 100%. Especially because they're so, you know, we're talking about down the middle with the Leafs. Down the middle for the, they have the worst number one, two of centers in the league that will make the playoffs. How about that? Because I just, I don't, I just, it, it, it blows your mind a little bit of how they're able to keep the record that they are. It's and I wild. think they're coming back to earth a little bit. I think my, my biggest fear is that you're going like Sammy, Wall for Buffalo, and then Sammy again. And you're like, okay, Wall's got it see some competition here like you know he's there's only so many practices he can do before you're like you got to put him in against somebody here so uh i guess that'll depend on how the first game goes but um you know yeah the bruins it just and it feels so inevitable we're going to be seeing them in the playoffs now so i don't know you know it's uh, here we go again but don't you kind of want it isn't there a part of you that's like i do want it no i want it yeah i mean like i said last week or two weeks ago whatever like we're gonna get who we're gonna get but like for us to exercise those demons i think we need to be boston at some point if it's going to happen, yeah. we need to beat Boston at some point to yeah. go on that run. Uh, so, yeah, bring yeah, it I completely on. Agree it. With you. It's fun. It's also so fun. Like, the emotions are as high as they've ever been. And it's yeah. the hatred is there. The passion is there. I, I can't wait for fucking April, man. Oh, I know. I'm so excited. And obviously, you know, the, the most scary game of our, of our week is going to be the Saturday at, uh, versus the Canadians because uh, that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's time for the numbers game. A game where I put Joey on the spot to see if you can remember Leafs from Era's past and what number they wore. Joey's currently 42 for 44, but each player he gets wrong between now and the end of the regular season, Joey will donate $10 to the You Can Play Project, a foundation working to ensure the safety and inclusion for all that participate in sports. Joey, are you ready? Ready to rock. I want to remind everyone, last week we had Eric Lindros and Chad Kilger. Nice. Uh, Closer and closer to Nickelback's to lead singer. Okay. Uh, this week, we're going to go back to the year 2009. Ooh. 2009. Uh, and we're going to start with uh, a player that played 82 games that season, and he was a minus 15. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go with Pavel Kubina. Okay. So this is interesting because he wore two numbers for us. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Let me let me see if you're, you're going to try to do both or what? Yeah, I'll do both. So Whoa, obviously, so off. before Pavel Kubina was a Leaf, he was a Tampa Bay Lightning where he wore number 13. Yes. And coming okay. to Leafs, Matt Sundin wore 13. You don't wear 13. So what he did when he got traded was he wore number 73. And then he was like, I don't like this number at all because number 73 is a gross number. I guess yeah. he's trying to, he's hoping that the seven kind of looks like a one. So it's kind of like 13. But then he decided to flip, and Pavel Kubina, if I'm not mistaken, wore number 31 after he wore number 73 for the Leafs. I, okay, so I'm going to give you, you're correct, because 31 is absolutely the right answer. I am getting his other number as 77, but I, uh, but I, I'm going to give you the correct, I'm going to give you, because that's the number he wore majority was, yeah, 31, 31, which is absolutely with the Matt Sundin, and you already told the story, so... What's even the point of doing research sometimes? I, I want to look at Joey has off the top of his dome. Because I, why does why does a seventy three come up in my brain? Only you can be the one to answer that mystery of how your brain works and how you remember all these numbers. You might be right on that. Yeah, seventy seven and thirty one. Yeah. Nonetheless, oh no, he answered the and one and seventy three. And seventy three. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I have Just a bonus here points of him here. in a seven. Uh, him in wow. a seventy three jersey. Interesting. Pavel Kubina, short time with Toronto Maple Leafs. Three different numbers. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> All right. So that's, we're going to give you the correct one because when the number we were looking for was 31. So that's good. Our second player playing 76 games that season in 2009 from Oakville, Ontario, Ooh. and also sporting a nice minus 16. Uh, we're going to be looking for John Mitchell. John Mitchell. I think I know it. I think I know it. Wow. How in the world? This feels like the I most might... made up player of all time. Mm, shit. Is it 39? 
It is 39. Yes. It is 39. Oh my God. John Mitchell. <laughs> everyone's favorite Toronto Maple Leaf. If you are listening at home and you have a John Mitchell jersey or something, please send a photo. I'll send you something. That is unbelievable. How in the like, world do you do that? I don't know. Good God. There's like a couple 39s in Leaf history that are like weird players. Like Travis Green wore 39. Clark Willem wore 39. I think oh, see, Willie Nylander. Free content, guys. Willie Nylander's first number with the Leafs was 39, and then he went to 29, and now he's 88. Weird, weird number for the Leafs. I don't know how. Just in case anyone thinks this is like rigged at home, Joey just did that off the top of his head for free. Like that's not even a quiz here. Unbelievable stuff. Well, two for two again, Joey. Congratulations. Let's go. All right. Let's talk some news. Um, We got to talk about, speaking of not letting go of any prospects or, or sure diamond prospects, Easton Cowan, holy shit, man. Oh my God. Oh my God. If this was he his draft year, if this was his draft year, he'd be going top 10. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Except the Leafs reached last year, yeah. whatever, 27 we were, and got Eason Cowan. So uh, what a steal. 28-game point streak with the London Knights. Mm-hmm. That just eclipsed uh, Connor McDavid's OHL record at 27. He's already eclipsed Mitch Marner's OHL record. Joe Tavares. John Tavares, excuse me. Like, Yeah, I think there's Brady McCowan is the guy who has – I think that's yeah. his name who's got the, the actual record. Um, yes. But he's on his way. 80, ga- 80 points in 46 games. <laughs> he's a human and highlight reel the most amazing part dude, is that the majority of them are on the on a shorthand yeah like he is so dangerous shorthanded they have to like play to the other side of the ice it's unbelievable this kid reminds me so much of mitch marner it's crazy mm-hmm. yeah I, I totally get that which as we brought up last week if you want to feel very old easton cowan's favorite player growing up was mitch marner yeah. so that's fun he's an absolute that's- spark plug on the ice great to watch it's just it's comforting it's nice we we feels like we got one here um yeah thank you wes clark stick to thank you thank you so much so uh yeah you don't give up a player like this in the trade deadline this is someone who looks like he might be able to help your team for years to come maybe as soon as next year who knows who knows you know but like and and with the players we're going to be paying you know mitch marner coming up soon and i'm sure that'll be something we talk about in the summer these are the players you need to you need to bottom out your lineup with cheap young talent and this guy is seems to be real one so yeah it's awesome it's awesome yeah so nhl wise i want to ask you something yeah we're what 20 to 25 games left for each team do you think the east is set do you think anyone on the outside is coming in and if so who would it be I know this is kind of a boring answer for a podcast, but I actually do think it is set. Yeah. I don't think it's going to move very much. Not only is the, the the records kind of setting that up a little bit, I think it's also the correct teams. Unless something really happens and the bottom falls out on one team and somebody goes on an absolute streak, I think we're looking at the eight teams that are going to be in the playoffs. What about you? So, yeah, I think most likely that's the case. I think you're getting yeah. five teams from the Atlantic no matter what. Boston, yes, Florida, right. Toronto, Detroit, Tampa Bay, I think are all making the playoffs. I would not bet okay. against any of those five. Um, obviously, the Rangers are in, and um, who's fucking second? Carolina's in. Uh, the yeah, one Carolina. thing that I'm 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 wondering about that might move is Philly is one of Washington, the Islanders, the Devils, or the Penguins. If one of those four teams mm-hmm. gets hot and catches Philly, like yeah. you look at yeah. Pittsburgh yeah. is seven points back of Philly, but they got four games in hand. Um, Jersey is. Five points back, they got a game in hand. The Islanders are five points yep. back, they got two games in hand. It, Washington's four points back, they got two games in hand. So I think that's the one I'm looking at, especially if Philly sells off some pieces. Mm. They're really missing mm. Travis Konechny now, and so is my fantasy yep. team. Um, so <laughs> please, Travis, get back on the ice. 
for my sake, but also for your sake, yeah, alone, yeah. only, only my sake. <laughs> yeah. I just think that that would be the one spot I think might change. Other than that, I think the other seven are set, uh, which is good because those are those are I think the seven best teams in hockey. I would love for the Devils to miss out. I think that's hilarious that they miss out. And just for <laughs> because we're all you know Canadian Sidney Crosby lovers, I would love to see Pittsburgh uh, squeak in there uh, if they can oh, get geez. hot, but they just can't. They just can't. They can't. It is nice that to see Sydney just will the entire yeah. team on his back all year and have this season at the age he's having it. It's it's incredible. Like, who does not love Sidney Crosby? Um, but they just don't have anything else. And you know Gensel's going, so they might just yeah. bottom out there after the trade deadline. If, well, we'll see. I, I do think yeah. it's it's that third spot in the Metro that would be changing. I think the wildcard teams yeah. are set. I think the Atlantic top three are set. We, we could talk about it later, especially because probably the the post-trade uh, deadline episode will probably be a long one as we, you know, look at some other teams. But, like, Pittsburgh has to kind of bottom out a little bit. Like, they can't just keep doing patchwork, paying expensive players that kind of play, you know, a little bit, you know, other than Crosby, who plays all the time. And and then and then just some, like, taping it together and go, like, we'll, we'll keep it together. And you're like, no, eventually you do need to, like, acquire a bunch of prospects and, you know, acquire free agent space and uh, cap space, excuse me. So, like, I just, I don't know. Because they are falling, like, do you see that Nazem Kadri goal against yeah. them last night? Yeah, well, if that oh. was McDavid, we'd be seeing that every fucking minute for the next three months. That was a gorgeous goal. Yo, holy shit. It is not only a gorgeous goal by Nazem Kadri. What are the Penguins doing? What are all of them doing? Like, it's they're just standing there. Like, it's unbelievable. God. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you're right, though. I think the move for them would have been, and obviously this is, like, in hindsight now, but hindsight, would yeah. have been, okay, obviously, Sydney, we're going to do everything we can that Sydney Crosby is going to be a penguin for life. We know we're going to have to pay him probably a bit more into his, yeah. you know, late 30s, early 40s, however he wants to play, whatever. Sid deserves it. He's earned it. I think you had to make a tough decision with Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. Yeah. They signed them both to big deer, big deals for a lot of term. So they're yeah. kind of stuck. And then they went and got Eric Carlson. Um, so I think they're a little fuckerino there, but I think that would have been yeah. the unpopular move with Penn's fans, but probably yeah. the right move yeah. because now, you know, I think for the next five years, they're going to be a pretty bad hockey team. Well, like I, and I totally get the idea that like, what it was it a year ago, more than a year ago, they signed Malkin and, uh, and, and Latang. And then you're like, well, since we're old and expensive, let's just go get another old and expensive player who, by the way, Carlson's playing well. So it's kind of like hard to go like, well, that really fucked us. It's like, well, no, it's just the, the, the whole team is a, the roster construction as a whole is just not working out right now. Yeah. And it hasn't been for a couple of years. Well, they deserve to spend some time at the bottom after winning three cups. <laughs> so I have no sympathy. Don't worry. They'll, they'll get the next generational prospect whenever that comes up. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. I think that's all the time we got now today. But if you made it this far, we appreciate the hell out of all you good buds. Thank you so much for listening. Go Leafs go. Go Leafs go. When you're back down, when you're back down in Mexico, I hope you feel better like you wanted to then. I know we haven't talked. No, we haven't talked in a while, but my hands have missed the feel of your cold black hair.
Nourished by Sad Styles Production.